0: Today on Daily Hope with Pastor Rick Warren, we continue in our riveting journey through the series, The Invisible War. In it, we'll explore the unseen world of good and evil and see how it impacts our day-to-day existence. Join us for eye-opening biblical insights into the spiritual dimensions that influence our lives in ways we never imagined. Right now here's pastor rick warren with part two of a message called making the hard changes in me number two
1: the next verse tells us the second requirement for personal change and it's this change requires making choices change requires making choices and they've got to be good choices obviously But what I'm saying here is that it's not enough just to want to change. It's not enough to just desire to change. It's not even enough to just say, I've got a dream of changing. I've got a dream of being something else. Dreams are worthless unless you wake up and actually act on them. So more than desire, more than dreaming, it takes a decision. You're not going to change until you choose to change. A lot of people think about changing. They plan on changing, they want to change, they say someday I'll change, or when I get around to it I'll change, but they don't ever actually choose to change. You see, it's not going to happen without intention. Let me put it this way. How are you gonna be different in six months? Are you gonna be emotionally stronger? Are you gonna be mentally sharper? Are you gonna be physically healthier? Are you gonna be spiritually deeper? The answer is no unless you choose to be that way. Because it isn't going to happen automatically. You're just not gonna get healthier by accident in any category of your life. A lot of times we think we're waiting on God to change us. No, you're not waiting on God. God's waiting on you. And it'll happen when you get intentional. Now, why don't we make these choices? Because internally, we don't think this way, but it's, we know it in, instinctively. There is no growth in your life without change and there is no change without loss you gotta let go of some old stuff and there there is no loss without pain it's like being a a trapeze artist in a in a circus if you fly out on a trapeze bar and you're out there over the you know uh, you know thousand feet up from the ground or however many hundreds feet it is you you've gotta let go of one bar and grab onto the other to get to the other side now if you think I'm gonna swing out and I'm gonna grab onto the other bar without letting go of this one, what's gonna happen? Stuck in the middle with you. (laughs) And pretty soon you get tired and you let go and you're falling. Some of you are stuck in the middle right now because you haven't learned how to let go. That's a choice. And that's the second thing that God says you gotta do. Look at this next verse, verse 22. He says, throw off, that means get rid of, let go, throw off your old evil nature and your former way of life, all those bad habits and patterns and the defects, which is rotten through and through, full of lust and deception. All that stuff where you've been telling yourself it's okay but it's not okay because it's really messing up your life. He says, throw off that old nature. Now, we, we spent an entire message on this last week talking about your old nature. If you missed that message, you need to go back and listen to all three in this series that we've built on so far. Each of your parents gave you 23,000 chromosomes. And because your parents were imperfect, they gave you some of their imperfections. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed the older you get, the more like your parents you get? Okay. And, and so, and since we all came back from originally, from Adam and Eve, then what's gonna happen? It means, from Adam and Eve, there has been a sinful tendency, a old nature, that in all of us, that we want to do what we're not supposed to do. And growing up, you're told, now don't touch that stove, it's hot, and what do you do? It's like you see a sign that says, wet paint, don't touch. What do you want to do? You know? And It's like, when I was growing up, my mom would always say, now, Ricky, I don't want to hear a peep out of you. Every bone in my body wanted to go, peep. (laughs) Okay, why? That's the old nature, the tendency to say, nobody's gonna tell me what to do. I'm my own boss, I'm my own God. And, and, and so we have, part of the, the, the defects come from you from three, part of your defects are biological, some of them are sociological, and some of them are theological. Some of them are nature, and some of them are nurture. But some of them come from circumstances, some of them come from choices, and some of them come from your chromosomes. Doesn't really matter where they come from, you need to deal with it. Okay? I want you to write this down. Genetics explain my inclinations, but they don't excuse my sins. Genetics explain my inclinations, but they don't excuse my sins. Just because I have a natural inclination towards something doesn't mean I should do it and doesn't mean it's necessarily good. I can have all kinds of self-destructive inclinations. In fact, we all have those in our lives. For instance, I might be born with a natural inclination to get get angry. Some people, it's real obvious, have a harder time with anger than others. They're just born that way. They come out of the womb chomping on a cigar, saying, I dare you, you know, okay? And, and, And some people are just predisposed to get angry. Other people aren't. You have fears and you've got other problems. But let's say I've got a natural inclination to get angry. That doesn't excuse me to just go abuse everybody, verbally or physically. There's no excuse for that. Some people are born naturally motivated, and they're ready to take on the world from day one, and other people aren't born with a lot of motivation. And it's kind of like, let it happen. And I may be born with a natural inclination to not really do a whole lot, but that does not excuse me to do nothing with my life just be lazy. I may be born with a predisposition or a natural inclination to be addicted to things. I might have an addictive personality, and I, I tend to get addicted to television or food or drugs or alcohol or sex or pornography. Or I might have a natural inclination, an addictive personality. Some people do, but that does not excuse me to go act it out. Just because I have a tendency or a desire or an attraction or an affinity or a predisposition does not mean that I should act on it. Now, it, genetics explains my inclination. It does not excuse my acting out or my sense. Now, here's the good news, and we talked about it last week. Once you become a believer, you have a new power in you that is greater than those old tendencies, and that power is the Holy Spirit. You see, in changing the defects in your life, God has a part and you have a part. It's not all God and it's not all you. It's kind of like growing up physically. Growing up physically, there are some things you could do that would help you grow, like eat right, sleep right, exercise, but there are some things that are totally out of your control. No matter how much you eat, sleep, and exercise, you didn't get to choose how tall you're going to be. God chose that. You didn't choose your bone structure. And, and so part of your physical growth was God's responsibility and part of your uh, physical growth was your responsibility. The same is true with your spiritual growth. God has a part and you have a part in your spiritual growth. Now notice this next verse, this explains it. Philippians chapter two. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Now I want you to circle the phrases work out and work in. This is the balance. There's a working out and there's a working in when you wanna make changes in your life. The working out is your part and the working in is God's part. We are to work out what God is working in in our lives. Now I wanna explain this verse in detail because I don't want you to misunderstand it. Continue to work out your salvation. Notice it doesn't say continue to work for your salvation. It says work out, not for. Nowhere in the Bible are you told to work for your salvation. You cannot earn your way to heaven. You cannot buy your way into heaven. You cannot deserve your way into heaven. It is a gift. And the Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, for by grace, God's gift, we are saved through faith. And even that is not of ourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, so nobody can brag about it. In other words, you cannot work your way to heaven. You cannot earn your way to heaven. The Bible says over and over, it is a free gift. But once you have received that gift that you did not earn, then you are to work out your salvation. Not work for, but work out. What does it mean to work out? Have you ever done a workout? Some of you obviously know. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Have you ever done a, what do you do at a workout? When you work out, you go to a gym, and when you go to a gym, you don't go to invent muscle. You go to develop the muscle God already gave you. You cannot create a bicep out of nothing. But when you go and you work out in a gym, you are developing the muscle God gave you. And when you work out your salvation, you're not getting your salvation, you are developing, you're cultivating, you're understanding the salvation God gave you. Does that make sense? Work out does not mean work for. It means you develop what God has already given you. My wife, Kay, loves to do um, jigsaw puzzles and she'll buy one of these thousand-piece jigsaw puzzle, and she'll come home and about half the time she'll throw it out on the kitchen table and it's just a jumble of mess. And then her job, and she enjoys doing this, is to work out the puzzle. Now when you work out a puzzle, did you create it? No, you're just putting it together. She doesn't create the pieces of the puzzle. She's not the puzzle creator. Working out a puzzle means I'm taking all the pieces that were given to me by the creator of the puzzle and I'm putting them together and then when it's all done, you go, oh, look at that big picture, isn't that beautiful? And that's what working out your salvation means. Many of you don't understand, your life is like a jumble of puzzle pieces. You got a pile of them and you go, I don't know what my life's supposed to look like. I have no idea what my life's supposed to look like. I just got this puzzle of pieces and I got this piece and this piece and this piece and you start putting them together And when you get it all put together by the end of your life, oh, that's the picture. That's the big picture. You don't see the big picture yet. Now, it helps in putting a puzzle together to have a little picture on the cover so you can see what it's supposed to look like, right? This will give you a picture of your life. And the more you read this book, the more you're gonna understand the pieces of the puzzle and what your life is to look like because it it is to look like Jesus Christ in you but you work it out by putting the pieces of the puzzle together. Now, notice it says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, what does that mean? Am I supposed to be afraid of God? Am I supposed to be trembling at God? I'm a believer, no, of course not. He's not being saying be afraid of God, but being afraid that you'll miss God's best. Be afraid that you don't take the time to put the puzzle together. Be afraid and tremble that you'd waste your life, that you could go your entire life and never know God's purpose. He's saying, you need to take this serious. You need to take your life serious because you've only got one life. And it's gonna have eternal implications whether you put the puzzle together or not. And if you're so busy working on making an income and working on being popular and working on, and you're not working out your life and you're not dealing with these defects, and you're not growing spiritually, you're missing the point. You need to be working out and be afraid, tremble, that you might go through life and waste your life. That's what you ought to be afraid of. That you didn't ever get to the point of understanding why am I here, what on earth am I here for? Now it says while you're doing the work out, it says God is working in you. You know that word phrase working in? You know what it is in Greek? It's the word energos. It's the word we get energy from. You ever seen the advertisement with the inner energos bunny? <laughs> the energizer bunny? That's what this word comes from. It says God gives you the energy, the energos. He works in, he's putting energy in your life to change the things you could never change. And notice what he says. It is God who works in you, he's given you the energy, to will and to act. Circle that on your outline, to will and act. God gives you two kinds of energy, the the desire and the power, to will and to act. The answer to changing your life is not willpower, it's God giving you the will and the power. The change in your life is not going to come from, I'm just going to force myself to be happy. Ain't going to happen. It's not willpower. It's a matter of God giving you the will and the power to do it. That leads us to the third Change, And it's the next verse. Verse 23 tells us that change requires new thinking. Change in your life requires new thinking. Now we've talked about this a lot and we're gonna continue because the battle for sin in your life and the battle for the defects in your life for, so you can kind of be a better person as time goes on Always is a mental battle. It starts in the mind. It's won or lost there. Let's see, how can I say this? You aren't what you think you are, but what you think you are. You aren't what you think you are, but what you think you are. The Bible says, as a man thinketh, so is he. The Bible says, out of the it, uh, issues, heart are the issues of life. That, uh, you, you, the way you think, we talked about this many times. The way you think determines the way you feel and the way you feel determines the way you act. If you wanna change the way you act, you don't like the way you act in a crowd. You know, You act nervous, you act goofy, you don't know what to say. You know, if you wanna change the way you act, you've got to change the way you feel. Because if you're acting nervous, it's because you feel nervous. But if you want to change the way you feel, you've got to change the way you think. You can't focus on the feeling. You can't fight a feeling. You can't force a feeling. But you can change the way you feel by changing the way you uh, think because every feeling is determined by a thought. Now, if you say, I'm not acting very loving to my wife because I don't feel very loving to my wife, you need to change the way you think about your wife, and that is a choice. You can't control your feelings, but you can control your thoughts and if you change your thoughts and you start thinking loving thoughts toward your husband toward your spouse toward whoever it's going to change the way you feel and that's going to change the way you act now this is what the bible says in verse 23 there must be a spiritual renewal of your thoughts and attitudes you're not going to change until your thoughts change until your attitudes change. This is why a daily quiet time is important. Why every day you need to spend four, five, ten minutes at least where you get alone with God for five minutes and you sit down and you be quiet and you open the Bible and you read the Bible a little bit and you talk to God about whatever's on your mind. That's called prayer. You listen to God through the Bible. You talk to God in prayer. You just be quiet. You say, God, is there anything you want to say to me that is the spiritual renewal in your mind. If you're not doing that, you're not gonna have the power to change. Now, you know what a change of mind is called in, in, in scripture? You know what the theological term is? It is the word repentance. To repent literally means to change your mind. Now, a lot of people think repent is a bad word. No, no, it's a good word, it's a positive word. People think repentance is this guy trying to scare people you know, out of hell into heaven. It's the guy with a long beard holding a sign on the street corner saying, you know, the end of the world is coming, repent. And he's got it on a sandwich board that says, you know, you know, repent, repent, turn or burn. You're gonna die and fry while we go to the sky. No, that's not repentance. Repent, the word repent actually is the Greek word metanoia. Metanoia means to change your mind. That's what it means, to change your mind. It means a mental U-turn. And it means when I repented, I changed my mind. I turned from life, from death to life. I turned from sin to forgiveness. I turned from guilt to peace of mind. I returned from pressure to joy. I, I turned from hell to heaven. I return. I turned from my way to God's way. I turned from uh, stress to uh, confidence it was the most positive change in my life when i repented i would have done it years sooner if i knew what it involved it wasn't something i regretted doing Repented. it was the greatest decision of my life i turned from regret to sheer peace of mind and forgiveness and when i repented i changed my mind about everything i changed my mind about me i changed the way i saw god He's not mad at me, he's mad about me. I changed the way I saw life. I changed the way I think about money. I changed the way I think about heaven and hell. I changed the way I think about sex. I changed the way I think about uh, the problems I face in life. I changed the way I think about other people. I changed the way I think about everything in life, my parents, my past, my present, my future. That is what it means to repent, a mental U-turn. How many of you have a GPS in your car? Okay, a bunch of you do, all right. Some of you, you've got ones that speak aloud, mine does, and if I'm out there and I make a defective turn, (laughs) it will often tell me, make a U-turn as quickly as possible. (laughs) Now, the wisdom shows up in my life on how quickly I make a U-turn and when god says to repent he's saying i want you to make a u-turn as quickly as possible you're headed down the wrong track you're going the wrong way it's not going to take you where you want to go it says you've got to change the way you're thinking and you've got to fill your mind with the truth not the lies now why is this important to learn to think in, in in new ways you even have to think in new ways about your defects would you write this down? Defects are often strengths being misused. That's a new way of thinking. My defects are often my strengths being misused. You've probably never thought of that, but that's a repentance, that's a change of mind. My defects are often the strengths God gave me being misused. For instance, maybe God gave you a strength of discernment and you've got a phony meter in your brain that can smell out a fake just like that. And, and you know, when you get around some poser and your phony meter goes ding, 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 this guy's a fake. This girl's a fake. You know, by the way, the only people that posers impress are other posers. Because everybody else can see through it. But, but maybe you have a, a natural discernment. That's a good thing. But if you don't know how to use it correctly, incorrectly used, you'll get judgmental you'll be critical. You'll be tempted to judge other people all the time. It's a good quality being misused. Maybe you um, have the, uh, a, a strength in detail, and you're detail-oriented, and you could see details, and you notice things that other people, thank God we have detailed people in the world. I'm not one of them. But thank God, we, I mean, if I'm having brain surgery, I want that surgeon to be a detailed person. I don't want to go, oh, what's that piece? Oh, forget it, throw it over there, you know. <laughs> we don't need that part, you know. just cram it back there in the corner. No, I want my brain surgeon to be as detailed as possible. Okay, but if you're a detailed person and you misuse that God given gift, you're gonna become picky, you're gonna become finicky, you're gonna be unpleasable and you are difficult to live with because you're a detailed person. On the other hand, you may be a big picture person and thank God for big picture people. We need people who can see the big picture. People who can look three, five, 10 years ahead. I'm a big picture kind of person. And I'm always trying to think ahead for you because some of you aren't. And if you're a big picture person, that's a good thing. But if you don't understand the weakness behind that, you will overlook people because you're always looking at the picture. Now, God loves to put opposites together and watch the sparks fly. So, detailed people always marry big picture people. You know, as I've said many times, when people, uh, before marriage, opposites attract, and then after marriage, opposites attack. And all those things that you thought were so cool about your spouse now irritate you to death. And and before you got married, you go, man, how does she think like that? That is so cute, You you know? I've never, you know, what attracted you to your, boyfriend or your girlfriend is they're different from you it is the differences that attract you. you go wow I've never seen anybody who thinks that way it's just so fascinating now six months into the relationship you're going could you be a little bit more like me I mean that's irritating now and so maybe you're an amiable person that's your natural giftedness and you're you know you're like Nobody bugs you, it's easy to get along with you. You can just go along to get along, you're very amiable. But if you use that incorrectly, you're gonna let people walk all over you. And you're gonna be a doormat, and it actually becomes a defect. A strength can become a defect. So you gotta change the way you think. Philippians two verse five says this, let the same mind and attitude be in you, which was in Christ, Jesus.
0: You're listening to Pastor Rick's Daily Hope. We're so happy you've chosen to study along with us today. Why is everything in life so hard? Why does the right thing often feel like a battle? It's because every day there's a spiritual war raging all around you. Here's Pastor Rick to tell you more.
1: You know, we all face temptations every day. It's a spiritual battle that takes place inside us, and it makes us vulnerable, particularly if we don't know how to fight it. To overcome temptation is absolutely essential that you know the tactics that Satan uses to trip us up. And it's vital to learn the biblical defenses that God gives us. He has told us in his word how to handle and how to manage the attacks of Satan. Now, in order to help you learn how to respond to the predictable patterns that Satan uses to tempt you, I've created a study kit called The Invisible War, Winning the Battle of Temptation. This kit, The Invisible War, Winning the Battle of Temptation, includes a DVD with seven different sessions and a simple booklet that'll help you learn how to overcome and defeat temptation in your life. You really need this. In the series, I will teach you the three kinds of temptation, God's antidote to temptation, and even how to avoid temptation in the first place. It is a study guide that you can use by yourself, but you'll actually get more out of it if you'll gather a small group of friends together and study it together as a small group. Now, I want to send you the Invisible War Winning the Battle for Temptation Study Kit as my gift to say thanks for your support of Daily Hope with your financial gift. You know, we can't do this without you. And your generosity helps us take the hope of Christ into places all around the world and now to places that have no
0: Bible, no believer, and no body of Christ. Go to PastorRick.com right now to get your copy. That's PastorRick.com. Or you can just text the word HOPE to 800 600 That's the word HOPE to 800 600 And thanks so much for your support. Be sure to join us next time as we look into God's word for our daily hope. This program is sponsored by Pastor Rick's Daily Hope and your generous financial support.